0: welcome to case by case this is a podcast brought to you by Callum Jane and Luke Zadkovich from ZFZ welcome everyone Uh, we're pleased to have you on on for another episode how are you today Callum
1: I'm good it's it's a big moment it's our first Decision involving Males, Lord Justice Males of the year.
0: It is a big moment, and um, he's on the dissenting side in this decision.
1: Not everyone's such a fan as as us, it seems. I know,
0: I know. And uh, Lord Justice Noogie was really in the middle on this one, wasn't he? He was going back and forth between Lord Justice Popperwell and Lord Justice Males, and then ultimately went in favour of Popperwell.
1: Without the benefit of the experience, of this bench I was still for my part going back and forward as I read it up until the last second actually I thought this was one where um where Popplewell Lord Justice Popplewell had had the had the right decision and I thought it makes complete sense perfect sense and then I was reading I was going back to the key clauses and reading this, the the judgment of Lord Justice Males and I I think it's just right just it's re- this is a really interesting case. It is it is so on the on the wire. On it's one of these contractual construction cases where you can read the contract in really
0: either way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the opening paragraph of Lord Justice Males' dissenting decision in, in paragraph sixty four says it all. I agree with much of Lord Justice Popplewell's judgment, including his approach to the issue of construction arising in this case, but. With respect and some hesitation, I have reached a different conclusion on the particular wording of exclusion nine, which we're going to get into in some detail. But you know, the the admission of some hesitation in, in arriving at his uh, his his judgment here, I thought said it all about um, how how um, how much of a, a line ball um, this one is. So, look, we're we're talking about insurance law. We're looking at an insurance law policy. Um, and construing the the terms of that policy to work out what they mean, whether the, the insured is covered or not for the loss, and we'll give a little bit of explanation about that in a moment. Before we do, just um, for those who love citations and knowing exactly what case we're talking about, this is the English Court of Appeal decision um, in Brian Layton Garage's Limited and Allianz Insurance PLC. Um, another recent decision handed down on the 11th of January, 2023. As we've said, we had um, three uh, Lord Justices um, sitting on this one, Males Popplewell and uh, Noogie, and it is an appeal from um, a decision of Ms. Uh, Claire Ambrose sitting as a Deputy High Court Judge um, on the, the London Commercial Court. Um, so, yeah. Interesting decision. Um, where should we start? Should we just give a – the facts. The facts are important, but, you know, I, I don't think it's, it's a hugely fact, factual intensive case. The, the, the facts were essentially uh, assumed for the purposes of, um, of, of this matter. Um, but let, let's, uh, let's go through them. Hey?
1: Obviously, Alliance of the, uh, insurer and Brian Layton garages limited are the assured and the insurance policy that they had was an all risks policy for their garage. And this was basically a petrol station, uh, where people can come in and fill up. And what had happened, um, at some point during the policy period was that a sharp stone had managed to become embedded in a pipe causing a leak. And the leak then caused a kind of contamination or pollution event around the forecourt that was that was risky, or you know, there was obviously you know, the, the risk is obvious. There was potential for for a massive fire hazard, um, and ultimately the cost of of the repair was too much. Um, the The um, appellant claimant Brian Brian Leighton Garages decided not to make the re- make the repairs. Eventually, sold the business and claimed under the insurance.
0: Yep. And the insurance uh, company declined liability. Um, they said so that this type of damage was caused by pollution and contamination, and that was an excluded risk under the policy. There is some quite nuance around the language, which we, we're going to describe. But in uh, you know, uh, uh, at its high level. Um, this was a decision by the, um, the insurance company to decline liability, uh, as it was not a covered risk in their view. So, yeah, look, big consequences, hey, for this for this um, garage owner, um, shut down entirely, couldn't afford to 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 do the repairs, and I imagine it would have required significant work to try and you know deal with that contamination and pollution.
1: Yeah, and the, and and the type of contamination and pollution. Is not a is not a massive shock, right? It, the, mm-hmm. it, you know, it wasn't like the there was a there was a contaminant or a pollutant from a passing vehicle that flips over and pours a bunch of oil all over the uh, all over the forecourt. This was this is a, a petrol station, and they have a leak of of petrol. This is surely something which is in the contemplation. And I think you know, as kind of any any person would, when I'm reading through this judgment. You know, as I'm first going through it, I'm thinking, yeah, hang on a minute, surely these guys are going to be getting their payout and ultimately they do. But uh, when you really dig into the, into uh, into the questions around the way that causation is treated in insurance policies and the way the specific wording of these exclusions are included here,
0: I'm not sure that it's right. I, I, yeah, I know. I know. And I, I had the same kind of back and forth as I was reading it as well. Um, having done a lot of insurance work over the years and looked at um, coverage or indemnity um, issues as as they're described in different jurisdictions around the world, um, they, they're more complicated than they look. And I know that it came through a few times here that you've got to look at an insurance policy as an objective bystander would, um, you know, in the shoes of an insured. um, And, you know, it's not, to the level of being a pedantic lawyer, as it's been described in, in, um, in the ARC case, but um, he, as Mayles says in, in his decision, it still does require the parties to look at it from some level of sophistication. You know, they can get brokers, they can understand what these terms mean, There are terms of art that have developed in these insurance policies, uh, they need to be understood uh, with respect to the prevailing law. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, and it really throws up this case. How how does causation work in the context of an insurance policy? And I think that's useful to go over yeah. uh, and, and, and look at. But then um, how have the parties dealt with causation? So you might have a general principle that – um, you know that refers to the proximate cause of something for the purposes of whether uh, an event falls within cover or not. But then, in in the policy itself, the parties can displace that that general understanding of um, proximate cause and, and 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 bring in a different type of test in in the, in the insurance policy for causation. Yeah, and I th- I, th- I think it's worth kind of.
1: Going a little bit further on the facts here, the the parties, and it seemed actually as though on at the appeal stage in front of the court of appeal, the issues became really narrow during the oral argument, mm. and it seemed as though both parties kind of gave gave a little bit, um, or admitted or conceded that some of their arguments really weren't weren't going to run. So you have a, a very very narrow um, decision on here. Which is which is helpful when you're reading through it. You know, it's very it's very targeted. What, what everyone's talking about, but essentially the it, the, the damage um, that was done to the to the forecourt was, was a polluting um, or contaminating damage, and it was in part. And this is all kind of agreed. In it was it was at least in part caused by pollution or contamination, mm. but the proximate cause was this sharp rock. That got lodged in the pipe and everyone seemed to be on board with that at least at least in oral argument everyone was on board that the proximate cause was this little rock that got caught in a, little, a small sharp rock got caught in a pipe and created this leak and they're also everyone also says the damage that was caused was also caused or was or was was then caused by um the polluting or contaminating effects of the leak and the I mean, it was even agreed as a kind of legal principle and we can we can talk about this legal principle in a bit of detail that under an insurance policy ordinarily you're looking at proximate cause and proximate cause only not always but ordinarily what you're looking for is proximate cause and the question is then whether the parties have done something special in this contract which suggests that what they're thinking of for the for the, for the purposes of the um, when 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 they're defining cover, I don't want to say the exclusion for pollution and contamination damage because the, technically that's not that's not right, and that was something that all the all the Lord Justices were agreed on. But when they're defining the scope of cover and saying that pollution damage and contamination damage fall outside the scope of cover, were they saying that that is only relevant to damage where the proximate cause is pollution or contamination damage, or were they saying this is relevant to any damage? Which is caused by in any in any, you know, any whether it's approximate cause or a non-proximate cause. If it's caused by pollution and contamination, then is the is the reduction in the scope of cover big enough to also include those things that are caused by pollution and contamination, but not proximately caused by contamination and pollution?
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's it's a tricky one to get your head around. I think if you don't do a lot of this kind of work, because. Um, we're talking about like a chain of causes, okay? So you've got the initial puncture of the pipe with the the sharp stone. You've then got the leak. You've then got this leak of fuel which then pollutes or contaminates the the surrounding forecourt. The problem with the forecourt and what makes it unusable and what ultimately shuts down the business is the pollution of the forecourt, right? And it's it all can be traced back to the initial puncture of, of the pipe. But you can see how there are, there are layers of causes or, or there, there's a multiplicity of causes in this. Approximate cause being what triggers the whole thing and starts the whole thing. But there are multiple kind of causes that kind of stack up on each other along the way. An insurance policy can... Um, say okay we're looking at for the purposes of cover what is the proxima cause what what kicks the whole thing off what's the most efficient or effective cause in 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 this whole um, chain or it can say well if any of these causes so if if there's any type of pollution in in a process sense is involved in this chain of causation then that um, is covered, or not covered, depending on you know what what the parties um, have done in the insurance policy. So, it's, it, it yeah, it's really interesting, and it's it's where you've got to look at the policy to see have the parties deliberately displaced the general principle that you're going to be looking for approximate cause for the purposes of covering an insurance policy.
1: And, and while we're on proximate causes this was a thought a very interesting part of the judgment they um and this was part of lord justice popper was, this, uh, judgment that there, there are circumstances which are not particularly unusual it's, it's not it's not the majority of cases but it's not an exceptionally rare minority where you have concurrent proximate causes mm. and the one that was interesting was the the fact that every single individual COVID infection in the united kingdom was a concurrent proximate cause for the lockdowns that happened in 2020.
0: Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, um, yeah, an interesting one. So, okay, so look, some, some of the principles, and we've touched on this, um, I think um, Males's decision actually, or Justice Mayles' decision, is quite helpful in this sense because he, he has a neat recap of the principles that were set out in in, um, in full in Mr. Justice um, Popwell's, uh, Lord Justice Popwell's uh, decision. And, you know, just to skip through some of those, as, as we've kind of touched on a little bit already, that the policy is to be interpreted objectively as it would be reasonably understood by an ordinary policyholder. Um, and uh, that One of the principles that we're dealing with is that an insurer is only liable for loss proximately caused by a peril covered by um, the policy. Um, However, uh, that principle is based on presumed intention of the contracting parties and can be subject to a contrary agreement. Um, Here, uh, as we've said, it was essentially – assumed for the purposes of of the appeal that the proximate or efficient cause of the damage in this case was the penetration of the fuel pipe by that sharp object, Uh, and that what we're dealing with and what we're looking at is the words of exclusion nine, the exclusion of damage caused by pollution or contamination, and whether it only refers to proximate cause of the damage, and if so, the, the appeal must be allowed, um, and if not, it must be dismissed. So, perhaps, Callum, if we go to the wording of Exclusion 9, um, and it's on a, on a few reads of the actual wording that I ultimately... Um, uh, sided with Lord Justice Males and and indeed um, Ms Ambrose um, yeah. Yeah. O- on this <laughs> I think for me it was on a few reads of the it was on
1: a few reads of Exclusion 9 where I started to understand what Lord Justice Males was saying yeah. and then a few reads after that where I thought actually he's right um, <laughs> um, it took me a while to wrap my head around this one um, so I'll try and explain it in a way that uh, hopefully our listeners won't have to suffer the same fate as I did mm. um, so you have these exclusions, and they, again, they're called exclusions to cover, but they're not strictly exclusions. They, in the sense of that, there's not a contra preferentum argument against them. This is a um, it, it's simply setting out the cover. So they're covered apart from these things. And one of the things that they are not covered for is pollution or contamination. And the exclusion reads: damage caused by pollution or contamin or contamination. But we, as in alliance, will pay for damage to the property insured, not otherwise excluded, caused by pollution or contamination, which itself results from a specified event, uh, or or any specified event, which itself results from pollution or contamination. So you have this kind of multiple tiers to this. You have the general cover, and then you have the exclusion from cover around things caused by pollution and contamination and then you have the kind of exclusion to the exclusion if you like or as they called it in the judgment the right back right
0: back yeah
1: which is which is the pollution or contamination which it's which is caused by one of these uh, specified events and the specified events were things like fire earthquake lightning they, they they weren't relevant here but they do inform the way that you read this clause and remember that we're reading this clause only to try and establish whether the words caused by so under exclusion 9 um, the, gener- the the general ex- the, the exclusions uh, of this policy uh, sorry the, 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 the policy says that, that it does not cover damage caused by pollution or contamin- contamination and what we're trying to look at here is whether that those words caused by are talking about proximate cause, or they're talking about any cause. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, (laughs) as you say, Callum, you've got this language, the policy does not cover damage caused by pollution or contamination. So, um, the the question and what we're looking at is whether caused by means proximately caused by, or it means... um, uh, not necessarily, approximately, caused by. Um, And those are the the opening words of this exclusion. And then it gets more complicated because you then have this further exclusion with a write-back provision, which then writes in that um, certain certain events will be covered. Um, And so you've also got a, uh, a duplication. You've got caused by appearing twice, in, in this provision, um, and I, look when, when I've read it a few times, and I'm totally with you. It, this this wasn't an easy um, an easy clause to get your head around. It, it's just like set out in a pretty I, I don't know, it's complicated way. It, it, it's it's not an easy clause yeah. to read yeah, exactly. um, the way it's structured uh,
1: here. I think the way that it makes the most sense. To try and understand what the arguments were, or what the um, ultimately what the what the um, dissenting judgment came to. I mean, in, in a way, the 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 judgment that prevailed here was that in the ordinary way for insurance contracts, damage caused by pollution or contamination means damage approximately caused by pollution or contamination, and therefore the. Um, the exclusion only applies where the proximate cause is pollution or, co- or contamination. In this case, the proximate cause was the small spi- spiky rock, and therefore the exclusion doesn't apply. So the policy covers the loss. Whereas, if you if you if you read in, um, and this is this is how you kind of get to um, Lord Justice Males' is thinking, if you read in proximate cause, so you say that the exclusion applies to damage proximately caused by pollution or contamination, um, except where the proximate cause sorry ex- except where there's another cause which is pollution or contamination from a specified event and then the question is well what's the proximate cause in a situation where well the the the, the if 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 the exclusion only works where the proximate cause is pollution or contamination then how can that approximately cause sorry how can that proximate cause itself be caused by one of the specified events so how can the proximate cause in clause 9 Itself be caused by an earthquake because in that situation, surely the earthquake is the proximate cause. Mm. So the way that Clause Nine is drafted, it has to be broader than simply saying the, um,
0: the 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 proximate cause. Exactly. Like if this if this clause ended where it says damage caused by pollution or contamination, full stop. It'd be an easy case. Yeah. You know, there was no contention about this on the basis of principles under insurance law and construing these policies, that would be taken to mean damage proximately caused by pollution. And so when you then think about that in a factual sense, that would mean that the it's pollution or contamination that needs to be the proximate course. It's not like we've got here where there's something further up the chain that's kicked the whole thing off. It's... Um, it's it's the pollution that is the proximate cause, um, and and that would that would have been a that would be an easy decision it would have been uh, clear and, and um, we'd know where we stand. But what we then have is we have all this other language and the, the, these right back provisions. And as you as you say, Callum, what's the effect of those subsequent words? And when you try and put them together. With the initial words, it doesn't really make sense if you if you write in approximately caused to the initial part, and you've got to make sense of it. It has to read together. This is all one sentence. It's not. It's not even separate sentences. It's all. It's all part of it. Um, so when you then go on to deal with pollution or con- contamination, which itself results from a specified event, and a specified event is likely to be the proximate cause. It doesn't sit right. It doesn't sit well to then be reading in approximately caused by um, I- earlier on in the in the provision. I think that's
1: where ultimately, in my view, I I, I think that Lord Justice Mals's analysis is 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 probably the right one legally. But I, it's still such a it, it's odd to me that a, that a part of so again you have the exclusion clause and then you have what's called the right back language. And the right back language narrows the exclusion effectively, which is normally to the benefit of the assured. But you have the situation where the effect of that right back language, which would normally be to the benefit of the assured, actually increases the scope of the exclusion quite significantly
0: in a way which I find slightly bizarre. We might not um, uh, be persuaded by the leading decision here and the majority view um, but what was there? what was the, the main reason for why they decided the way that they did?
1: Yeah. So, and I think a good place to start on this one is the, um, is the, the short judgment of Lord Justice Nugi, because um, that's the, if you have Popperwell, Lord Justice Popperwell gives the, gives the lead judgment and then, you um, Lord justice males gives the dissent and then it's Lord justice Nugee who is kind of between the two and you can really see that it's it's a it's a toss-up um the 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 part of this judgment that i thought was very interesting is paragraph 59 because this deals specifically with the issue that we've been talking about there because this construction issue um and uh, Lord Justice McGee says, I think it is possible that the resulting spill of sh- spill of sewage into the petrol station, and this is in the context of an earthquake um, causing a spill, causing a contamination, um, I think it is possible that the resulting spill of sewage into the petrol station could also be regarded as a proximate cause of the resulting pollution, polluting damage, or at any rate that it, that this might be thought to be an argument that the insurer might otherwise seek to deploy and hence deny cover under the Wayne Tank principle, which is a, a case which is referred to in the judgment. So the the idea, the 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 comment there goes back to what we said earlier, where you can have these two concurrent proximate causes. Um, and in in the Lord Justice's judgment, in that situation where you have a um, where you have the earthquake. Um, it that it just just the fact that the earthquake itself would happen I guess before sooner in time than the um, than the subsequent polluting um, of the of the insured property wouldn't necessarily have the effect of meaning that the exclusion at clause nine can only sensibly be read with a broad lens and actually the normal principle which, which the insurer has to argue away from, right? The, the normal principle is proximate cause is is, is what you're looking at. Um, so the insurer has to persuade the court that they could, that they should depart from that normal principle here. And the other two Lord Justices um, in the majority, I think, were effectively saying, "Well, we're not convinced that this is the right thing to do. We, you know, we need more to move away from this general principle."
0: Just kind of unpacking that a little bit more, the the factual. Um, scenario, hypothetical, that's being discussed here. And um, Lord Justice Noogie e- explains that, you know, it's helpful sometimes to, to look at hypotheticals to, to bear out the, the legal principle. Um, and the example he uses here is that suppose there was an earthquake and the earthquake damaged a sewage pipe that was in the vicinity of, uh, of the earthquake and that damaged pipe, um, the sewage from the pipe, then contaminated the petrol station. And Lord Justice Males is looking at this by saying that in that case, the earthquake would be the proximate cause, um, and that there is then quite limited um, scope to the right back provisions. Yeah, because they never they, they never apply. Because if the,
1: if, if, there's, if the earthquake is the proximate, clause, proximate cause, then it, the, the kind of effect under the exclusion clause, if you get that far, would be that the polluting damage is, is ignored. But you don't get that far. Because if the earthquake is the proximate cause, then the exclusion clause around pollution or contamination, if read in the, in the way the majority read it, doesn't apply. Yeah. And if that doesn't apply, then how, how, is the, how, how are the right back provisions supposed to be given effect to? And it's that old principle that you see sometimes of, you know, if you've written it down in a contract, we'll try and make it, make sure it has some, yeah. some meaning. He agrees
0: that um, the earthquake would be at least a proximate cause, um, but that he thinks it's also possible that um, the spill of sewerage into the petrol station could be a proximate cause. And if you look at it that way, and you look at the a scenario where you could have two proximate causes, even though it's in this kind of chain of events, then you can start to make sense of the construction of the of a um, in in exclusion nine, uh, and you can give it some meaning. Yeah, you know, it, it's the counterpoint to what um, Lord Justice Mayall says, but I don't know how how realistic is that in, in those kinds of scenarios where you've got a well maybe it's you know it's not a, a damaged sewerage pipe but it's um, a poorly maintained sewerage pipe that um, th- th- that had it been well maintained, maybe the earthquake would not have led to it breaking. Yeah. But there was the earthquake, but there was a poorly maintained sewage pipe that then broke. You needed the earthquake, it wouldn't have leaked without it, but you also needed the sewage pipe to be poorly maintained, and it then um, caused it. So in that scenario, you can actually say, okay, yeah, two proximate causes. Without either of them happening, the event wouldn't have taken place.
1: I see what you mean. But if it was just an earthquake, which then causes an otherwise entirely healthy system to, to break, then it really feels like the earthquake is the proximate cause. Yeah. Yeah. And you, I mean, so this is this is now a case which has gone to the High Court, um, and had it's it's been it's been dealt with by the High Court. It's then gone to the Court of Appeal um, between four extremely um, preeminent judges, or uh, Ms. Claire Ambrose sitting as a deputy judge, and the three Lord Justices on the on the Court of Appeal. You've got two and two.
0: One, you know, for either side, it's a it, it's right down the middle, and two and two and and the second of of the two going f- for allowing the appeal was on the fence. Yeah, you know, it yeah. was it was a kind of just a lean just leaning yeah. one side. It wasn't a I'm jumping into the camp wholeheartedly. Yeah, I wonder
1: if there is a subtext to this, which is that in a situation where it's so so finely balanced, there is a. Uh, just a general principle that these, the you know, st- again stepping kind of back a little bit, these guys took out insurance cover for a petrol station. There was a leak caused by a little stone getting caught in a in a pipe somewhere and breaking the pipe. What they thought they were insuring is surely covered in this situation, and they, they the 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 uh, the decision of the court of appeal does go into a lot of detail around the way that you should be interpreting uh, these kind of contracts of insurance. And I think that did weigh on the minds of uh, Lord Justice Popperwell and Lord Justice McGee. But I wonder if it's for that reason the right decision.
0: Well, yeah, look, that that kind of strays into policy considerations. and so I'm not sure how, you know, how, how much that bears on the question, but I, I I hear you, Callum. I I think, you know, if if I'm the, the garage owner here, I'm feeling like I've been stiffed by the insurers, right? Um, and from an insurance perspective, they you know, you've got you've also got to look at it from both sides, right? From an insurance perspective, this is probably language that appears in many, many, many insurance policies. Um and uh, the decision here that goes against the insurance company could have significant ramifications across the portfolio of policies they've got here. Um, it's, that's one reason why I suspect this goes up further. Um, and we, will, we may well be talking about this case again at a higher level um, because it is the type of wording that I can see uh, having a knock-on effect in in other policies. And um, from an insurer's perspective, uh, and, you know, we, we have insurer clients, um, we have business clients, you know, we, we've got to be able to look at these things from, from different perspectives. Uh, they set out to insure certain risks, and their underwriting is performed on the basis of what is and is not covered. And there's there's you know, very sophisticated actuarial processes that go in into working out how much they should be charging for policies, um, what's the risk ex- exposure, what are the reserves they should be covering, all, all of the rest of it. And that's based on the language that appears in their policies and what they think is and is not covered. And if you are ensuring um, pollution... Uh, or contamination as a primary proximate cause, that is different to whether you're insuring it as a flow-on, you know, uh, from uh, from something else that's a proximate cause.
1: So, shall we wrap this one up with the two-minute summary?
0: Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So, basically this, this decision um, uh, was all about construing uh, an insurance policy and whether the um, uh, the exclusion relating to um, pollution and contamination uh, was restricted to only uh, causes of approximate nature, so where um, contamination and pollution is pr- the proximate cause of the damage, or whether um, the, the terms of the particular um clause dealing with pollution and contamination was broader and it had displaced the general principle that um, it is a proximate cause that you look for and could include um, causes of a non-proximate nature. And uh, the the majority decision went the way of the, um, the garage owner and against the insurance company and overturned the first instance decision all i would add to that is
1: the the head note for those who are listening just to the summary which is brian layton garages limited and alliance insurance plc um and the one other point that i thought was very interesting from this one is the the, the uh, construction question um and when you're looking at this kind of this kind of uh, contract of insurance then. Particularly in this in this case, you're looking at the the commercial context of a small medium sized enterprise reading in a um, insurance contract, not looking into the detailed minutiae of the of the contract, but just with a with a sound understanding of the of insurance principles. Very
0: good. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. We hope you've enjoyed getting into some insurance law today. Uh, this is the the type of decision that um, can have significant ramifications in all sorts of uh, insurance. Uh, And understanding how causation works in an insurance policy is is quite important. So thanks for listening in. We hope you've enjoyed it. Good to catch up as always, Callum. Uh, Until next time, take care, everyone.